We're going live right now. Ah, yes. It's the vacation version. This is for Aaron. We put a little steel yeah. drums in there. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Totally Local. There we go. Ah, welcome to Totally Local. Totally Local Podcast, full of colorful characters and interesting local businesses in and around the Monmouth County and Ocean County area. That's right. It's the Jersey Shore, baby. And we're talking about the real locals, the people that are around here all the time, every day, in and out. Except for Aaron, who's on vacation, a much-deserved vacation. How's it going, Aaron? I don't know if we're supposed to tell people that I'm on vacation. Like, I mean, if I it's... leave New Jersey, am I allowed back? Um, <laughs> You'll you know, see the what, signs. What are the, don't, don't what are the go, rules of engagement? Don't go through Seabright. You'll see somebody holding a sign saying, Benny's go home. But I think if you have the right license plate, <laughs> they'll let you back in. Uh, w- with us this week, uh, Jeff Plate from Asbury Park Brewery. Hello, Jeff. How's it going? It's going well. How are you? Uh, I'm doing. I'm doing pretty good. I mean, it's a little cloudy out, so I'm a little jealous about what I'm seeing in the background from uh, from Aaron's locale. But uh, you know, he's a hardworking guy, so he deserves it. Um, you know, speaking. Listen, of- I've got I've got my bathing suit on, and but I just I brought this shirt to make it look official. You know, so That's I'm wearing great. this shirt for our thirty minutes now, and. Then I'm jumping back in the pool or going to the beach. <laughs> is it is it muggy at least? Is it muggy? Is it dry? What's going on down there? Um, it rains for two days, like torrential downpours. Um, we have a lake in the backyard of the house we're renting here in, in the Outer Banks of North Carolina. Um, and, you know, a couple more hours of rain and the lake would have been in our pool. Like oh. it was grimy. But now it's 80 degrees, low humidity, sunny, little little overcast. Perfect. But uh, but it's good. But life in the Outer Banks is totally different. Like they don't know what coronavirus is um, and they don't wear masks down here. It's a little bit scary. Like, oh, look at all these weirdos without wearing masks. Um, it's kind of it's kind of nutty. We're, we're not into going out and doing a lot of that. But even in the supermarkets, nobody's wearing a mask. It's, it's kind of crazy. You're keeping your uh, your your respective social uh, distance going on there. Right, yeah, we're doing we're, we're doing what we feel comfortable with doing. That's right? good. That's, that's what anyone should do. Staying away from everybody. Let's just keep to ourselves and you know bring bring it to the house and we'll be all we're all good. Perfect. Perfect. Well, it seems like most of those states that uh, you know kind of took a pretty lax approach to it are, are still doing fine now, right? Uh, I mean, let me just check the news. For, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Some of them not so good. Arizona, not so good. Florida, yeah, Florida, not, not so good. good. Um, Florida, not so good, right? Like yeah. you have to self quarantine if you go to Florida. Like I have somebody that I know is diverting plans to come to Outer Banks instead of go to Florida next week. Yeah, they, <laughs> there was a, I read a story about a nurse that you know she was quarantining the whole time, and then she went out with like a group of like she was rolling like fifteen deep, going to like the local bar, and then boom, she got the Rona with everybody else. And it's like you know you know dip your toe in, you know don't don't just go hog wild. Like a couple people go out, you know see what's out there but you know I'm, I'm you know do whatever you want but just stay the hell away from me if you're doing that kind of stuff <laughs> <There you go. laughs> so uh so jeff uh the last time and maybe the first time we spoke uh was right at the beginning of this you were the first business i knew that if the apocalypse was coming i'm like i need beer to survive the apocalypse so you were the first business where i was just like I don't need toilet paper. I'll get a bidet and I don't need, you know, I don't need cereal. All I need is just make sure I have enough beer to last me at least, you know, a month. <laughs> um, so uh, that's, that's when I believe I first, uh, you know, met you. 
Um, and you, you were a little pensive. I, I was wondering just, just, you know, what was that like? What was your, what was your journey with the brewery from the beginning of this, you know, kind of, kind of catch us up on what you've been doing, man. Okay. So I think like probably the most important thing to mention is the distinction between a brewery like Asbury Park Brewery and a lot of the other ones throughout the state of New Jersey, um, that are more dependent on, on premise consumption. So uh, a lot of breweries, they have like a smaller brew system and the bulk of their revenue comes through their tasting room. So um, you want people to come in hang out for, you know, as long as possible, try a bunch of different beers, et cetera. So that, that's not really our model. We are way more uh, manufacturing and, and distribution um, of our products. And we've got some great distribution partners that get our beer into, um, you know, hundreds of bars and, and liquor stores across the state. So, when we were advised by the ABC that we could do um, pickup beers, it was, you know, it was great. One thing I, I love to be able to, you know, serve the local community if they need to get Asbury Park beer and they can't find it for whatever reason, sure, come down. Um, but the other side of it was, you know, we were continuing to brew here. Obviously, the brewing industry sanitization is like paramount. So, you know, they say that, that brewing is actually, you know, 10% brewing and 90% cleaning. So, you know, the idea of having the public do, um, and also at that point we did see an uptick in can sales. So we were really producing, you know, almost exclusively Blonde and Sea Dragon, which are our two uh, flagship beers. So a lot of the guests to the brewery would be like, all right, well, what do you have other than Blonde and Sea Dragon? And after, you know, like two weeks of, of the quarantine, it was like, you know, not a lot. We kind of went through all of the inventory that we had that wasn't those two beers because that's all that we were producing. So, you know, we, it was, it was, people wanted like a similar brewery experience where there would be like, you know, 12 different kinds of beer that they could pick from. And that kind of ended quickly because people ran through all that stuff. So, so really they were coming in there like, all right, all we, all we have is Blonde and Sea Dragon. Yeah, well, I can get that at the uh, store down the street. So then we were kind of like, all right, well then go get it at the store down the street. <laughs> no more, buddy. You know, we'll just sort of like, you know, hole up in here and just keep like that really tight uh, sort of like quarantine bubble. And that's what we did for, for most of the quarantine in, in terms of like the, uh, the curbside pickup and stuff. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'd have to say when I, when I showed up, um, epic shouts to, to, to Michael Merrill, local DJ to the stars. Uh, he, he really tur- turned me on to the stout. Like I was a Sea Dragon guy, and then I like the naive melody, which is seasonal or it's it's only you know in, in smaller batches. It's coming out next week. Just to interject, oh, naive melody is coming yes. out next week. Right. Yes, um, great, awesome. I'm so happy about that. Uh, so w- when he 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 recommended the stout, and apparently uh, you know it's good. My wife was reading about how uh, we we have a we have a six month old at home, and she was reading how stouts are actually good for breastfeeding not you know not a lot of them you know maybe you know you have one you know every so often you're good and uh she she wanted me to get some of those so i got some of those mike merrill recommended them and i like i don't i'm not a stout person i thought i wasn't but the stout is good too so it's hard for me to go in there now and be like what do i want to drink but the stout was a good it was a good quarantine beer for a while and then as it got warmer out the sea dragon you know was was definitely good and it's nice to know that you said next week it's coming out all right cool um it's interesting that you mentioned that you're kind of in this sort of 
you're 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 more about brewing the beer you do have like a, a there's a tasting room there's some like a, a venue at, like it's a small venue but um you're in this strange spot like where do you fall as far as the spectrum of you know are you, are you allowed to at this point have like outdoor seating is that something that you're interested in starting to do right away or are you just kind of going to wait and hold off on that all right so where so the short answer is for come get you know bonner sea dragon which is available like almost everywhere um around here at least um so yeah we're 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 taking like a couple beats before we we open up the uh, outside patio and again like if you know if you've been to the brewery you've got to walk through like the entire production floor to get from the loading dock slash patio whatever you want to call it to the bathroom so you know we are we're Things are opening up. Everyone is very like, you know, got high spirits about it. We're still a little bit cautious about how many people we let into our building. I mean, even if it's just coming in to use the bathroom, it's still something that's like, all right, we have our employees to look out for and we have all of this beer. And if, you know, what would happen if, you know, someone tested positive that we knew was in our production facility that walked, you know, within, you know, eight feet of our canning line or, or whatever it is. It's just, it's something, it's something that, you know, we've received some guidance that we're sort of allowed to choose our own venture and, and open how we want to open. Um, you know, obviously not inside. We can't have like shows or anything in the tasting room, but you know, with the, the loading dock. So, you know, we're, we're still, we're still figuring out exactly how we want to do that, where we're comfortable. We make sure that everybody that works here is protected, that all of our inventory is protected and can still get out and open the loading dock. So, um, in all honesty, we were going to try to take a crack at it this weekend. It looks like it's going to be thunderstorms. My my weather app is just thunderstorms for the next like twelve days or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's looking but, uh, so we're like, all right. Well, look, if it's if it's not going to be a beautiful weekend, then I don't really see the point of, of getting open. And um, you know, we're lucky that we're able to take that kind of approach because, like I said, the tasting room is awesome. It generates you know good revenue for us but it's a small percentage of what we do here. So we can kind of take a wait and see approach with it. And it doesn't affect us too badly because, you know, by, by far all of our, our, all of our revenue comes from distribution. So you, you've mentioned uh, how you, you know, you've, I think it was on the site. It was on Instagram somewhere where I read like kind of what you're saying right now, which is, you know, you love our beer. You don't have to come to here. You could get it, you know, anywhere around here. If you go to like a liquor store, you know, most of them, as I've seen, you know, have it. How far, like out, like how far do you distribute? Like, is it is it the entire state? Like, what's the far furthest place that you that that has your beer? We're distributed throughout the entire state. Um, you know, a lot of it is clustered around here. Like at the the Grand Asbury Park resonates, you know, across New Jersey. Um, but Monmouth Ocean, Middlesex County, we, we do like a, a majority of our business there. It's sort of clustered locally. And then it, it goes out and becomes more of like a, uh, like a craft brand. Like we, I feel like on, you know, particularly on the Jersey shore, we've sort of moved beyond the status of like a, like a small, like artisanal craft brand. And, and we're, you know, we're outperforming some national brands uh, here in our backyard that was, um, you know, that we never really thought we would, we would outperform. So it's been really cool. And, and our beer has kind of grown to um, a larger level than that. But then you see it, you know, in like the sort of, uh, you know, farther counties up in North Jersey and South Jersey, where it becomes more of like a specialty item. 
item, but we're distributed throughout New Jersey. Um, we are distributed um, in the five boroughs on a pretty limited scale. That, that's a, a very competitive market. And then we've got uh, distribution in, in nine counties of Eastern Pennsylvania right now, including wow. Philadelphia. So you can find us in craft beer bars in and around Philadelphia as well. So, uh, so Aaron, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're out of state right now, but you're coming back. Um, you've mentioned before that, that, you know, you're, you know, there's employees that want to work from home. There's some that want to come in kind of what, uh, you know, what, what we were just touching on as far as, you know, opening it up and having people come in. Um, are you going to start doing that, you know, next week? You think you're going to do that when you get back like Monday or Tuesday where people are going to come into your office or what are you going to do? It's it's such a weird, so it's just weird. Let's just leave it at that. Right. It's just yeah, weird. True. Um, and I was originally going to require request beg, plead, <laughs> um, with my staff to come back next week. Uh-huh. Um, but I did just push that back to July 6th. Sounds good. I just felt that with where everything is at and the way things are opening up, I want to see uh, more restaurants get open. I want to see some of these limitations get lifted in the next week or so. Um, and hopefully they do. And then July 6th is when I'm, I'm going to push to bring everybody back. Everybody's working well remotely and from home. It's really just getting that community back together again, um, back in the office is, is what I, is what I want. Uh, but for, for right now, we're going to push it back two weeks and then, and then see what happens. But I know a lot of small businesses, are having some trouble bringing their employees back. People are still afraid. People are still collecting some decent unemployment for another couple of weeks with that additional $600 a week. Um, so it's become, it's become a challenge for a lot of business owners of how to approach it and how to handle it and how to get things done. And at the end of the day, it's, you know, whatever's best for the business has to, has to kind of fly in these, in these situations. Uh, Department of Labor, New Jersey put out some guidance about bringing people back what the limitations are if an employee does not want to come back of, of how that, that can be approached. So dol.gov um, and, and search for that guidance of, of return to work is, is going to be the best practice because that ultimately is going to determine what happens if an employer gets sued, you know, for overstepping their boundaries. Uh, the Department of Labor is going gonna, is gonna to kind of guide that. Yeah, I mean, the governor's going to sue Asbury Park, so any business in there, I don't know if you chip in, I don't know if there's like a pot that you just have to put money into, but that was some some big news coming around. Uh, I guess, you know, they kind of backed off because nobody wants to be sued, I don't think. Um, but no, he won, they won actually, what, yeah. what was that? He, he won the injunction. Yeah, he sued. He sued not for like monetary damages, but to have an injunction to prevent them from opening indoors, which was contrary to the executive order or whatever. So, but that went through. I, I think it was like forty-five minutes from when they filed it to when the injunction was, was mm-hmm. issued. So that was that was a slam dunk for the governor on that, on that one. Go Phil. He, he was he was not going to go without a fight. Hey Jeff, are you a lawyer or something? Uh, yes. <laughs> I was just going to touch. Well, thank on you for that. asking. You, didn't, you see how I tilted the, the camera. <laughs> <laughs> I, was just gonna, I was just gonna bring that up now what what came what came first the brewery or or your attorneyship like which which one was which one was in the works first uh so that, the brewery was in the works first so um my first career as a musician um you know i went to school in ocean township and lived in Wanamassa and um was in some bands, you know, some of them had, you know, varying degrees of success. And I moved back to Asbury Park in 2005 
to, um, you know, play music, set up a little recording studio. And during that time, that was when, um, like, Brooklyn Brewery and craft beer was starting to, like, you know, really, really gain momentum. And living here, I was like, ah, it's such a cool town. Like, we should have a Asbury Park brewery here. Like, they have a Brooklyn brewery. Um, so I started working on it back then. The law was a lot different. It was a lot more restrictive. Um, you really needed to have, you know, a couple decades in the beverage industry as well as a couple million bucks laying around to open a brewery and get going. Um, but I did register uh, some of the intellectual property rights for the name Asbury Park Brewery back then and, um, you know, just kind of uh, maintained those things as well as I could, the ones that I could, and just, you know, keep paying the, you know, whatever it was, 30 bucks for three years on GoDaddy for the, the web domain, that kind of stuff. Um, but anyway, uh, in the interim, you know, I, I wasn't able to get that going then for, for obvious reasons. I was a lot younger the law. Uh, so I decided to go to law school and I went to law school. I graduated, I passed the bar, I started practicing law, um, for a couple of years when New Jersey changed the, uh, brewery laws and suddenly you could self-distribute, which means you didn't have to go through a distributor. I could sell a keg of beer directly to a restaurant. Um, and the, the, the bigger one for most of the breweries that have opened since was you could have a tasting room and charge customers retail price for a glass of beer. Um, you know, so the margins on, on, brewing beer and then charging five bucks for a glass of it is, is, is pretty wild. Um, so that being the case, I decided to dust off a business plan for Asbury Park Brewery. I approached some people that I knew through the music industry, um, you know, that, that had some money to invest and were interested in the city and in beer, um, particularly Bob McClinn, who founded Crush Management. They managed like huge recording artists, Green Day, Fall Out Boy, Weezer, like just Basically, you, you name a huge band, and, and Bob has had something to do with it, it feels like. Wow. But um, he's a New Jersey guy. He was in a, a punk band, just like I was, and a huge beer guy as well. So when uh, we connected and I sent him the investor deck and then finally the full-form business plan, he was, you know, he wanted to get involved heavily. So uh, it was all private placement funding through people in the music industry that got the brewery open. And then... Uh, you know, finally, after this like long kind of circuitous route, we got open August 2016, and um, and yeah, the rest is history. We ended up signing with a great distributor uh, on the Jersey Shore, uh, Shorepoint Distributing, a little less than a year after we opened, and um, after that, the the volume of business we did really exploded. Wow, Jeff, there's a term I use uh, when people are good at business, and I call it businessy, and you are. Very businessy. You seem to not only like be the Svengali of of breweries. You were like, "Hey, this is Asbury Park. I love it. It's eventually going to catch on." And you kind of had this. In, you had this idea to have a brewery before you could really do what you're doing right now, right? Yeah. Um, so it was. It was definitely a right place, right time too. Um, I. I've, certainly can't take credit for the popularity of Asbury Park at all. I think that that's got a lot to do with why the brand is so successful because Asbury Park is, but no, it was, it was seeing the opportunity and sort of like the confluence of, you know, Asbury Park going up and craft beer going up. And really I just found myself like right at that intersection. So um, it was, it honestly, it, it was an easy sell to get the investment. And then every, you know, every keg of beer I've sold has been an easy sell because you speak to a bar manager or a purchaser and say this is you know 
craft beer from Asbury Park, and they're like, boom, I'll try it. And awesome. the fact that we make good beer yeah, means exactly. that not only will they try it, but then they order it again <laughs> once they kick the keg. You know, a lot of people are able to get in the door, but it's all about the quality of the product to maintain those lines. What's the deal with, okay, so you have a lot of different varieties, which I like. And, you know, there's been this over however the decade, however long it's been, like IPAs have become like popular. Why do some breweries just like it's like like one IP like they have a they have a many different beers, but like all of them are IPAs. Like is an IPA easier to make or are they just kind of riding the wave of like this is a popular type of beer. So we're all just going to have IPAs now. Like why are there so many? Okay, so there's a couple of things. One, IPAs are popular, so people do like them and you will sell them. Um, you know, there was definitely like, you know how people make hot sauces that are just so insanely hot and you wonder why? Like people started doing that with IPAs. Like, let's just make it as strong and hoppy as possible just to see how, you know, gross we can make it. <laughs> but, um, but the other thing, yeah, so it is a little bit easier to make. Another thing is that, um, you know, your volume as a brewery is really restricted by how long a beer takes to ferment. So lagers take a really long time to ferment. IPAs take a really short time to ferment. So the faster you can turn those tanks over, the more different kinds of beers you can make. Um, uh. But I also, I, I always, I, I use music terms a lot to kind of describe things, particularly in beer, because there's a lot of similarities. But one thing I always say about IPA is like if you're recording a very loud like punk record there are you know ways that you can hide mistakes in the performance or in the mix because there's a lot going on and it's like hey you know what you see kind of fudged a note in the second chorus but you can't really tell you know let's just let it ride and don't have to go back and do it when you're mixing something that's very sparse and quiet all of those you know sort of imperfections and stuff show up really loud and to me, that's the difference between a lager, like our blonde lager, which is a very kind of delicate and clean beer uh, tasting. I mean, all, it's all clean, but the yeah. taste of the beer is very clean, if you understand what I'm saying, versus an IPA, because the IPA has so many hops pumped into it that you might not have the best base malt. You might not have actually brewed the beer in a way. There may be something wrong with the beer, but you can't really tell because all you're tasting is this mouthful of like pine cones. Yeah. So I, I tend to think that... You you know, what we do with the lagers, which is something that I wanted to do from the beginning. I love lagers. I love, you know, German, Czech beer, Dutch beer. Um, so I wanted to do more beers like that. And you can really tell how much care we take in all the ingredients that we buy. Because we do. We get we get pretty expensive malt for our beers. And, and malt is something that in American brewing, I think, has sort of fallen by the wayside with all the attention that's paid to hops. Wow, there you go. What's up with the um? You you did like a four four session ale. Now a session just means that the, it's not a lighter beer. It's just the session just mean it's like less alcohol volume. Is yeah. that what a session is? Yeah, pretty much exactly. So something that you can have like a drinking session with. Ah, okay. um, so yeah, we, we did. We had a what happened was we we had an IPA and then we did the four four session IPA. We loved the flavor on this on the session IPA uh, with the reduced alcohol content. But what we were seeing as some of the most popular beers in the market at the time were full-bodied IPAs at around like the six and a half, seven percent ABV. 
So uh, we went back to the drawing board and we came up with the Sea Dragon IPA, yes. which was somewhat based on the 4-4 session IPA. Mm-hmm. And it came out great. And it was a winner and people loved the beer. People loved the name. It really sort of elevated the brand when we launched that beer. And the two were so similar that one of them had to die. And it was just an easy choice to, to go with Sea Dragon. And it's become our, our top seller. Yeah, I mean, definitely. It's, it's, a, it's a delicious beer. As far as like you were saying how it like, you know, the Sea Dragon caught on the name is cool your logo is cool like who comes up with like the brand or the look for it do you do you work with like a local designer is it something you come up with yourself so the logo itself um so we started calling the logo a sea dragon because Mm -hmm. we were describing it to people and calling it a seahorse with wings Mm -hmm. and it was just a mouthful so actually our head brewer jay ash uh was like hey let's call it a sea dragon um cool we love it perfect makes sense awesome so that that was maybe like a year before we had a a beer brand called sea dragon Mm -hmm. but um how we got the logo was um you know when we were thinking of concepts i kind of walked around asbury park and snapped some pictures of cool things around convention hall and the arcade and the carousel and stuff you know they've got like the king neptune faces and mermaids blah 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 so um you know they have these seahorses in profile with wings in the arcade way up top if you look so I sent all these pictures to a designer named Brandon Reich, who's based out of Ohio. Um, but I met him through Bob. He does logo design for Fallout Boy. He did a Nine Inch Nails logo. He's done like a lot of really cool stuff. Wow. So I sent him kind of a dossier of like cool Asbury Park images. And he glommed onto that one. And the final logo that he sent was actually the first round that he sent us. That was a, the first thing I got from him was that. And I was like, yo, it's done. You're done. You got it. <laughs> I love that. I love it. But you don't have to keep going back and forth. You're just like, all right, perfect. Done. They're like, well, we could tweak it. I'm like, no, no, you're done. That's it. Um, that's, that's great, man. I mean, h- how did you... It, it just wow what a story like you you just kind of you just kind of you seem like an easygoing guy i don't know you very well but you seem like an easygoing guy and all these things kind of you were you were like prepared obviously you know there's a level of intelligence one needs to 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 get a law degree thank god and uh you know you you have stress <laughs> i can go get one sweet um i uh you know and you, you had this foresight with asbury park and, and with the beer and everything now how did you how did you come across uh 810 sewell ave like how did you find that spot did you work with like a local real estate agent or you know because it's really nondescript you wouldn't even know it was there unless you knew you know the beer was there basically i looked at every single building in asbury park mm-hmm. like from you know, like a place that's falling down to the freaking police station. Like seriously, I, I looked at every single building in Asbury Park. And this was one of the first ones that we looked in. It used to be occupied by Flexcraft, which is an injection molding plastic company that was moving. And, um, you know, it's just, it's one of those things where the second you set foot in a place and look at it, you're like, this is it. This is where the brewery goes. And I knew that. And it didn't work out at first. And a couple other things happened. And, you know, we were looking at the Studebaker building pretty, you know, in detail because that's such a cool building. Um, And then just the way life happens, all of a sudden, you know, the owners came back to us and said, if you're still interested in that space, you know, it it may be available. So um, we leased it with an option to purchase. We exercised that option within a year of being in the building. And, um, you know, now I feel like the block is situated in, in a, a great place where, you know, the next kind of round of, of development or, or whatever, the next kind of, you know, cool, cool block to open up is going to be this one. And I think yeah. that the brewery is sort of 
you know, the linchpin of that happening. Heck yeah. I mean, so, so all these things were working out. You, you got all your ducks in a row. You, 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 you kind of figured it out. You got a good logo. Wonderful. Um, and, you know, as far as going back to, you know, the laws changing was like, you know how there's like big pharma. Is there like big beer was like, we're big, like corporations of beer, like, like we're big beer companies getting in the way of being able to open up craft breweries or how did the, like, why did the laws change and who, you know, how did that all happen? Yeah. So New Jersey was really like one of the last states in the country to sort of modernize their craft brewing laws. Um, and yeah, so big beer companies, sure. Uh, distributors, the restaurant association, essentially New Jersey has a, a, a very antiquated system of liquor laws where, um, you need to purchase a privately held liquor license. And as you might've heard in a city like Asbury park, they go for, you know, upwards of seven, $800,000, so naturally, when someone spends that much on an asset like a liquor license, to hear that a company like mine could open up down the street without having to purchase one of those and sell beer, you are protective of that asset. So there was a lot of pushback from the retail license holders saying, this isn't fair. This guy's going to open up a brewery and be able to sell beer. So that's why, you know, there was sort of a compromise where, okay, well, you have to receive a tour before you drink in our tasting room, which is, is still the case. Um, I think that we sort of managed an eloquent way to uh, satisfy that requirement. Yeah, you just walk in. Um, yeah, you come in the front door, you walk through the brewery with an educational mural, and then you're at the bar, boom, you took a tour. Yeah. Um, which the ABC has said that that's fine. Cool. Um, but yeah, so there was a lot of, a lot of give and take. So we're not allowed to sell any kind of food. We're not allowed to, you know, do a lot of things that a bar would do in terms of having sports or like a pool table or something. So, um, yeah, I mean the pushback, I would say not probably not so much from, you know, like the, like, uh, ABM Bev or, or Miller Coors Molson themselves, mm -hmm. but through some of their agents that just, that, that really want to protect their, you know, bread and butter clients, like the bars and restaurants that have these retail licenses that were upset about the new, the new laws. But I think the longer we coexist together, they see that there's room for everybody. And, and we, we are definitely like, it's a, it's a niche industry. So, you know, I'm, I'm not going to compete with bar A, um, in any meaningful I'm way. Glad. And for me, it's more important for me to have a draft line there and just be represented. So, um, yeah, I think we're going to see New Jersey becoming uh, more in step with the rest of the country in terms of those laws. That's that's cool. I mean, recently there was a there was you know you kind of touched on it a little bit, but there was this issue with um, I, and I think was it was it the governor that stepped in at the time? Like I, I can't remember exactly you know what happened, but there was a problem where they didn't want you to have like events like inside the brewery, or you had to limit that, and then it changed. Like what happened? What what was the you know what what came of all that? Yeah, well, I think what happened was the original, the, the laws it's written is, is pretty vague. So they, they haven't changed the law yet. There's been, there's been no actual law adapted. What the ABC can do is issue regulations. So it's a little bit different. Mm -hmm. But essentially, the, the former uh, chairman of the ABC um, issued a special ruling with a lot of uh, very specific and very complex laws on you need to have a permit to do this and you can't have, you know, yoga and you can have TVs, but they can't show live sports. You can only show pre-recorded, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so, and a lot of people push back against that and, and it didn't make a ton of sense, a lot of them. And some of it seemed somewhat arbitrary. Uh, so the governor did step in at that point and, uh, and, and speak to them. And they said, all right, well, we're going to take some time to, 
to review this. Um, and they did issue new regulations and, and requires permits for certain things. But, you know, we, we try to, uh, you know, we walk the line. We, whatever, whatever they say we're allowed to do, we'll do it. And, and like I mentioned to you, we're sort of, you know, we're on the ABC's good side in the sense that what they envisioned a brewery doing is what we do. So we manufacture, we distribute, you know, I'm here to provide products to the retail license holders to sell in their establishments. And then on top of that, yeah, it's cool for people to come by and have tours and do stuff. And, you know, for us, you know, we've, we've, we've had some music in here after the, the old lanes closed, there was sort of a vacuum for places where you could have like a punk show or, um, or just any kind of like weird sort of avant-garde thing. Um, you know, if you weren't able to book it at a place like the Saint, who does the same thing and they do it great. Um, you know, we could host something like that here. So, you know, we, we kind of filled that void and we'll see what happens going forward. It's, you know, this, the, the coronavirus thing has definitely completely altered the landscape. And I think that we're all just sort of anxious to see how, how it goes from here and, and what it looks like. Was that always like a, um, you know, obviously you, you have a, you're enmeshed in music. You, you've played with a lot of uh, bigger acts that are, that are local. You, you know people in the music industry. You've had music industry, you know, business people invest in your business. Um, was, was having, was having that, you know, having a music, I don't want to say a music venue, but you, you know, you definitely do have people play music. There's definitely more of a punk vibe in there. Like, was that always kind of something that you wanted to have be a part of the brewery or did it just kind of work out that way? No. Yeah. It, it definitely just worked out that way. I mean, one thing was I had all of this equipment, um, you know, I was like cohabitating with someone and I had all this stuff in this house uh -huh. and, you know, she was like, can you just bring that stuff to the brewery, please? And get it out of here. And it's like, sure. Yeah, I can do that. But no, actually the, the first thing that happened was, so there was early on, there was a ruling where it said, okay, ABC says that live music is permissible in a tasting room. And, you know, wh whether they meant a guy playing acoustic in the corner or what, what they said was live music is permissible. Mm -hmm. And at that time, one of my friends who promotes shows lost their venue in Belmar. And all of a sudden, like, you know, she had all of these shows that she had booked and was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And, you know, we just kind of ran into each other uh, at a bar and we're having a beer. And she's like, yeah, I mean, I've got these shows booked and some of them are really cool. And I was like, well, I'm pretty sure that we can have them at my place if you want. So that was sort of like the impetus for getting shows in there. And then, you know, every time we had a good show, I would like, you know, set aside a couple hundred bucks to improve the sound a little bit and, you know, maybe put up some like acoustic tiles so that it wasn't so boomy and, and yada, yada, yada. And then by the end of it, it's like, yeah, it sounds pretty good in here. And um, we got approached by like some really cool bands, um, you know, and, and Joe Polito, uh, who does the New Jersey Pop Punk Archive, you know, he helped us out booking a lot of bands, but, you know, we had Snail Mail was in here. Um, Beach Rats had their first show ever anywhere at the brewery. And, you know, there's a, a hundred bands that I'm leaving out that have played here that just made it such like a cool uh, vibe. And it has like a basement show feel. There's no stage or anything. There's no like permanent, you know, um, equipment set up to, to call it like a venue. It's just sort of like a, a DIY place to have cool shows, but it sounds really good. And, it, and it's got, uh, you know, the best beer in New Jersey. Yeah. I, uh, two, two favorite shows whenever cheap horse plays there. That's yeah. my buddy John's band. Uh, love that band. And then, uh, you know, uh, Mike Merrill did a goth night there, which uh, if, if anyone knows how to tell if it's a successful goth night, it's when actual goths show up. And I was there and there were people looking sullen and pale and all black. And I was like, you did it, Mike. This is a goth night. Um, it's true. Two of my favorites, two of my most. 
most memorable ones. And I like the fact, because, uh, you know, as I get older, I like the fact that you guys kind of close early because, like, you could go early, hang out, and then, you know, the, it shuts down at, what, what time is it shut down? 10, 11? What time do you guys got to, like, cut the music? Yeah, it depends. Like, if it's a Saturday or something, it's a, no matter what, it's a hard curfew at 11. So yeah. you'll never be at Asbury Park for past 11, but usually it's 10. You're usually, we're usually, you know, mopping by 10. Yeah, I, lo- I love, personally, I love that. Um, yeah. You know, but, uh, you know, me and... How you know you have a kid at home. Yeah, exactly. Like, and then I can tell my wife, I could just be like, look, I, I, I'm going to the show, uh, XYZ Buddies playing, and it closes. So I, I'm not going to be out too late. You know, just have a couple. It's fine. Um you know, and, and me and Aaron have talked about this before. Uh, I think we were talking about it last week, but um, we were curious to know where does uh, where does a podcast fit into your brewery, and could we do a podcast at the brewery? Is that is that legal? And you know, obviously, when we all get wiped down and everything's clean, you know, is, is that a possibility at some point in the future? Absolutely, awesome. absolutely love to have you guys. Um, sounds great in there in the tasting room. I'm in my office for this because I wanted to show off my law degree and my London calling posters. Like, I'm, a lawyer. I'm a cool lawyer though. You know what I mean? Are you still are you still like practicing law? Like in what what venue like in what avenue were you going to pursue it? And is it the same one now? Yeah, so I mean it was mostly like contract law. So I would do uh, commercial transactions, um, contracts, I would help people, you know, set up their their businesses, their corporations, LLCs, that kind of thing. Um, and then do some municipal stuff like for friends. So um, you know, a couple people that were arrested at the protest last week, I'm representing pro bono oh, wow. um with, with some of their charges. So that's um, you know, activism, human rights is also a really big part of the brewery. Um, you know, right now uh, during Pride Month, we're selling our Pride T-shirts and, and donating a portion of the proceeds to Garden State Equality. But you know that that's as much of a part of our DNA um, at the brewery as music is. Is you know, and you know, with the Black Lives Matter thing, you know, we're very much a part of that. We um, don't necessarily disclose what we donate and who we donate it to, but it's something that's really important to us. And personally, like I said, I'm donating my time to people that I feel were uh, wrongly arrested at the protests. And um, you know. We don't call it a, a LGBT rights thing. We don't call it a Black Lives Matter. We just call it a human rights thing. So if you're a human being, we believe that you um, are deserving of rights and dignity. So Man. that's uh, that's as big a part as, as our company as anything else. Dude, that's uh, that's incredible. That's 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 great that you're doing that and that you're so involved in the uh, in the community, making yourself totally local. You're very totally local. Um, and uh, I'll have to talk to you about uh, my my intellectual property rights when it comes to this podcast because I don't think I have any. Hopefully, somebody else will come along and and take my totally local podcast away from me for some reason. Um, but but this has been super informative, dude. You you've got so many layers to you. I, I, I'm gonna have to drink a beer. You'll have to I'll have to catch you when I have one beer because after two or three, you know, I, I get a little more chatty. But I'd I'd love to like <laughs> dig into more of this. You've, you've you're you're like an onion, man. I'm peeling the layers back, and there's just more and more going on. I, I can't thank Aaron Aaron enough for for setting this up. Aaron, um, do, do you have anything to add to this uh, this titillating conversation? No, I think it's I think it's great. I think everything that Jeff does, I think everything that the brewery represents is 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 awesome. I'm thirsty. Um, <laughs> it's but not thirsty. There's 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 no blondes except for my wife down here in North Carolina. <laughs> we gotta, um, we gotta work on that. You know, <laughs> I should have brought I should have brought some with me, but it was really just juice boxes and uh, 
and, and stuff for the kids. But uh, yeah, no, I'm down in North Carolina soon. Yeah, nice, nice. That's awesome. But I think it's I think it's great, and I think you know doing a live uh, podcast from the brewery, yeah. you know, pint by pint, will be a heck of a lot of fun, man. A little tasting <laughs> action that sounds good. Um, are you like? Does it help to know other breweries in the area? Do you do you like stay in touch with them? Are you guys all cool, or is it like like the uh, you know Sharks versus the Jets, uh, like where you guys are just like having switch? blade fights and like alleys and stuff are you guys all cool with each other <laughs> no we're, we're cool i mean it's like anything it's for the most part everyone's cool there's a couple assholes floating around but uh you know that's, it's like anything else but I, everyone everyone is pretty much been cool as far as Aaron, as far as like the insurance for like a brewery, is it is it similar to what would be you know recommended for like a restaurant or for other businesses? Like, is it is it the same kind of thing where like you'd want the same kind of coverage? Is there any differences in it? Yeah, no, great, great question. There's some differences, and I, I lost like 20 seconds. I had a call come in, and I had to send them right to uh, to voicemail. <laughs> but you know, as far as the insurance of the brewery, we do we do the same thing as we would do for any type of manufacturer, small business owner, including the liquor liability, the employment practices, everything that would be involved in a in a good solid business owner's insurance package um is is what we have set up uh for for the brewery we partner with actually um a brewery specialty company so we have this company cedar risk um who who we partner with to insure a couple of different breweries and the distillery in long branch is also insured through cedar risk they have some access and they insure hundreds of breweries up and down the eastern seaboard so we're able to get really good good rates and put good packages together and make sure we have the right coverage and and uh, in in there so that if a situation arises we uh, we have the defense and the coverage for it. So uh, you know, I, I thank you both. You know, Aaron, thanks for setting this up as always. LG Insurance, thank you so much. Um, Jeff, thanks for spending time. You know, doing this. What what can we expect? Like once we you know once the apocalypse has cooled down a little bit and we get like some time to breathe. Um, what, what, what can we expect from, from Asbury Park Brewery, like, you know, in the future when, when things kind of, obviously nothing's going to get back to normal. It's always going to be some semblance of what we've, you know, ex- expect normalcy to be, but like, what can we expect from the brewery, you know, going into the future? Yeah. So, I mean, one thing I would say is expect like a larger presence and a larger footprint of the brand, um, which is what we've been working on this past year. And, you know, we lost a lot of good time this year accomplishing that, but you know, it's, it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. So, you know, we are, you know, we're, we're committed to putting our flag in as, as the beer of New Jersey, the beer of live music in New Jersey. It's, it's any event that is going on around the state that has something cool going on. We want, we want to be a part of and, and that's sort of like how we've been approaching it since since we opened. So um, when we are able to get open, uh, we look forward to having people over on the loading dock, have some beers, you know, have a little live music out there, nice. um, hang out and uh, experience our lovely parking lot uh, along the train tracks in Asbury Park. Um, but on top of that, yeah, just expect to see more and more about Asbury Park and Cool. You know, we're uh, hopefully every time you fly out of Newark Airport, you have a Sea Dragon while you're waiting for your plane, and or two. you know, just getting some of those big accounts that that we're proud of: Prudential Center, uh, the airport, Rutgers Stadiums are now able to serve alcohol, so they've picked up our brands, and uh, just just trying to go bigger and better every year. Wow. Well, I mean, thank you so much, uh, guys. This has been. 
this has been, uh, I don't know, this has been a good time for me. I really can't wait to go out and have uh, some beers over at Asbury Park Brewery. I'm looking forward to the Naive Melody. Um, I love a good sour. Um, try the stout. Well, you know, when, when can we expect the stout to come back? Uh, probably end of summer. Usually, once it once it starts getting hot, we we uh, we stop producing stout. It's just uh, it doesn't start selling until and who knows. I mean, usually, I say football season, people start buying the stout, but uh, who knows when that's going to happen? So when it starts getting a little cooler, when the frost is on the pumpkin, that's when the stout is pumping. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, that's great, and he and he writes lyrics too, folks. Um, totally local podcast, colorful characters, local businesses in and around the Jersey Shore area. Um, again, we had Jeff Plate from Asbury Park Brewery. Thank you so much, Aaron Levine from LG Insurance. As always, thank you so much, um, guys. Check us out, totally underscore local underscore podcast, totally local or check us out on Facebook where you're watching us right now live. Um, go check out the video on YouTube. Um, we love Monmouth and Ocean County. So that's it. Guys, have a great uh, rest of your week. And enjoy, right. the, enjoy the steel drum. <laughs>